When it comes to hydration for my training and competition, I use Prepped, the world's first resistant starch hydration formula. Prep primes me before exercise and recovers me after, enhancing fluid uptake and minimizing fluid loss. Prepped helps me run faster, longer, and stronger. It's my secret weapon and it can be yours too. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, Prep can help you reach your goals and stay hydrated. In actual fact, I know the Prep team are committed to helping any athlete tick off their bucket list events and say, what's next? Not never again. Visit prepthydration.com.au to try for yourself today. Prepped is the ultimate hydration for runners. Hi, I'm Izzy Bardoel and I want you to join me for a limited series on the past, present and future of Australian women's marathoning. The guests are Australia's best marathoners with each of the seven episodes featuring an in-depth conversation with Aussie running royalty from Benita Willis to Sinead Diver and more. We unpack their training, the ups and downs of their careers and what makes each of these athletes special. All right, I'm excited to be starting off this limited series on the past, present and future of Australian women's marathoning with Eloise Wellings. Thanks for chatting with me today, Elsie. Hey, Izzy. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Look, I've looked up to you for as long as I can remember, and I think now it's pretty cool for me to call you not only a teammate but a friend um, and have had the opportunity to spend training camps with you in Falls Creek and St. Moritz last year. So thanks for showing me the ropes. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. Um, it's been so fun to to watch you develop as an athlete and – yeah, just fun to kind of stretch our limits together, right? And um, yeah, yeah. I just I feel so privileged to be able to to uh, I guess be one of the the elder ladies. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd say the women and and just kind of leading. I guess yeah, trying to lead. But I'm also learning so much still and learning from you. And you know, I was privileged enough as well when I was um, developing as an athlete and and trying to find my way to have, um, you know, the likes of Kerry McCann and Sonia Sullivan and Benita, Benita Willis, um, you know, come alongside me. So, um, yeah, it's fun. No, thank you. I think, look, you, you are still the president of marathoning, but you've had a very long and illustrious career um, on the track and, and now onto the roads. So we might start off with just talking about what a typical training week looks like for you in a marathon block. Um, I know it's probably a pretty busy time for you at the moment. We've both got Nagoya Women's Marathon coming up in less than two weeks, which we were just chatting about off air. So, yeah, run us through what a week looks like for you um, in a marathon block. Yeah, um, so exciting. We've got Nagoya coming up. Um, really fun to be doing that with yourself and a number of other uh, women. Um, so I guess a, a typical week for me, is I'll start with Sunday, I guess. I, I kind of see the week starting with Sunday. The miles on the gallon one of those. start on a Sunday, <laughs> so I'm one of those. Um, I, it, yeah, it's a long run, anywhere between, uh, say, two and two and a half hours. Um, yesterday I ran two hours 20. Um, that went well. <laughs> then Monday is generally always the same, 60 minutes in the morning, 35 minutes in the afternoon. I always do 14K. So if it's 62 or 61, yeah. 
yeah, it's it's whatever comes second. It's either 60 <laughs> minutes or 14K. It's whatever yeah. comes second. You and I are um, the same with that. Then... <laughs> then 35 or um, 35 minutes in the afternoon or 8k so whatever comes second again uh, I'll do strides in the morning on Monday as well just to keep a um, little bit of form a little bit of speed in the legs and I kind of like strides on Monday as well like especially after running um, an hour and then the day after a long run I feel like it just shakes a little bit of tiredness or fatigue out of my legs um and then Tuesday, always a track session, which I love. Still love the track, even though I definitely call myself a marathon runner now. Um, by, yeah, tomorrow we've got some 800 reps. Don't know what he's given you, Izzy, but I've got, <laughs> I got my reps. repeats, actually. Um, oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, lucky you. Um, and then... Uh, I would, uh, on Tuesday afternoons, I would normally do an uh, elliptical, um, either thirty between thirty and forty minutes on the elliptical, just easy, um, as sort of a supplement for an easy run. Um, and then Wednesday, ninety minutes. Thursday, same as Monday, so sixty thirty five again. Um, Friday is the sort of our big marathon session. Um, an example of that would be um, four by five kilometres. Um, it's probably my favourite session with um, two minutes jog. I had and five by four K on last week. You did? Yeah. Five by four K. So not four by five K, five by four K. Yeah, it was good. I loved it. Okay. But yeah, yeah. Session two. Yeah, well, five, five by four K comes the week before. Normally. Yeah, I haven't got to the, um, I've never got to the five by four. The four by five k. The four by five. <laughs> yeah. Well, you'll do that in a marathon without stopping, <laughs> so you're, you're going to be fine. Um, yeah, and then elliptical in the afternoon again on Friday, depending on how I feel. Actually, normally once I get towards the end of the block, um, it gets a bit harder to do elliptical just because it's such a big mileage day on Friday morning. So I just kind of play that by ear. I always think. Um, you know, I only ever want to do those sort of second runs or second sessions if they're really going to service me. And um, the main aim, I guess, on a Friday afternoon and a Saturday is to recover well enough for the long run on Sunday. So if that means, um, if I think that elliptical will help, then I'll do that. But sometimes towards the end of a block, it, it's not. It's just making me more tired. Um, yeah, and I still do gym uh, as well, Tuesday and Friday. So Tuesday, Friday are my biggest days and then Saturday I have off, which is just blissful. Um, <laughs> it's a really uh, good opportunity just to absorb all the training that I've done in the rest of the week. And I know it's probably a little bit not the done thing as a marathon runner especially because you're trying to fit in as many miles as you can. Um, but I started it even when I was a 5 and 10K runner and it just works for me. I feel like it's a lot, especially with two kids, like just allows me to get some other stuff done and um, it allows me to be more flexible as well throughout the week that if I, if I, you know, something comes up, then I can just switch, switch my days around and not be a slave to the program. Yeah, so, definitely. yeah, that's a week. Yeah, I think it's really interesting to chat about your week because, you know, we talk about typical marathon training and I think that's definitely evolving um, as we go along and see people doing different things. And 
I really like that you, you know, you run what 150 Ks or thereabouts in six days. That's still, mm-hmm. you know, it's a big load across six days, but you're giving yourself that opportunity to really absorb the training. Um, and you're doing what's best for you, you know, you know, looking yeah. at, at what other people are doing and feeling like you have to um, kind of change your routine. Um, and actually you and I have a very similar schedule. I don't take a day off, but I do elliptical um, on those, on those Tuesday, Friday session days. And I, I really like them too. I feel like it's a really good opportunity just to flush out the legs and really think about just recovering for the next day and not necessarily trying to be like getting fitter or, um, you know, just like getting more, more miles in the legs. I feel like sometimes they can yeah. be junk, junk miles. Yeah. It's a different, uh, I guess it's a different mindset to when I've been on the elliptical before, which is almost always when I've been injured and, you know, you, you're actually trying to maintain fitness mm-hmm. and you're doing intervals and reps and you're trying to get your heart rate up. And, um, this is nothing like that. Like I'll, I'll, which I'll get on there at 5.30 and watch who wants to be a millionaire and just <laughs> turn, my, turn my legs yeah. over. Yeah. Um, I try and keep my heart rate at the same or similar within 10 beats, I guess, of what, what it would be. Yeah. Um, I find elliptical is pretty easy, easy for that. Run. Like I get, I sit around yeah. 140 and I watch mm-hmm. um, old races on YouTube or Netflix even or Sweatily videos and, yeah, I find it a really nice yeah. cha- change up from just – getting out and, and running all the time. So, yeah, definitely um, yeah. you and I are both on the elliptical train. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you mentioned strength twice a week. It's one thing that I've actually found really hard to keep up um, during racing um, and also like, you know, big sessions. So you, you really prioritise getting those sessions in. Are they kind of like a, a heavier strength or just more like mobility and, and lower kind uh- of – it actually depends on how I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I have a, a program that I'm very, I, I'm very, I do almost the same, the same exercises almost every time, just like different levels of yeah. either the exercise or weights, um, like the weight that I'm lifting, depending on, on how I'm feeling and depending on what the load is for the week. And, um, you know, I've had issues with my back. Um, the last sort of three years since I had Sunny. So I just need to be really careful with that. And, um, yeah, just uh, I kind of just go, like sometimes I'll just get in there. On a Friday, especially towards the end of a um, big block, sometimes I'll just get in there, do all of my, just do a really simple warm-up. So, um, you know, hip lifts and, um, you know, crab walks and, and then just do a bunch of core mm-hmm. uh, and stretching and then that'll be enough. And it might yeah. take me like 25 or 30 minutes um, and then there'll be other days sort of early on where I'll really lay a foundation where I'll do walking lunges and um, step-ups and squats and all of that sort of stuff. But it does, you're right, like it, it, the longer the, the build goes and the, um, I guess the more fatigue the f- fatigue your legs get, the harder it is to to fit it in. But I still think that it is important, even if you're not lifting um, super heavy weights, or even if you want to lift heavy weights and you're not doing many reps. If you just want to work on a little bit of power, and yeah, um, yeah. I work with um, Jock Campbell. He's my strength coach, so I work closely with him on um, what to do week to week. So I'm pretty lucky like that that I've got. He- is wisdom and, and guidance on on gym stuff, and I feel like it does. It is really important, not only for um, injury prevention, but also just helping to kind of callous your legs a bit. 
you know, Definitely. like, you know, the, the, the final 12, 15K of a marathon where you're really starting to um, feel every step of the impact. Um, yeah, just callousing, like just really hardening your muscles and getting them ready to, to feel that um, that deep fatigue. Yeah, I totally agree. I didn't have the longest prep myself for, for Melbourne, but I felt that because I've been doing gym twice a week, I, I had some strength in the legs that um, kind of worked in my favour, even though I couldn't get, you know, yeah. the high mileage I wanted to get in. Yeah. And you, you mentioned, I think, your favourite session probably being Fridays, I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah they have become. I just think because they're so, um, it's so close to what you're actually going to be doing in the marathon. And I get, you know, you get to practice all of the um, nutrition and there's so much going on. Uh, I just find it, you know, so satisfying. It obviously take, feels like it takes forever, like half the day. Yeah. Um, but you walk away yeah, very I, rewarded. Yeah. Yeah, you feel it's very rewarding, and you feel like you've, um, I've taken a, you know, big step forward, and um, you get to practice all those things that you like, all of the mental skills as well that you're going to need in the marathon. Definitely, um, because it is like one of those sessions that you, <coughs> sorry. It is one of those sessions that you actually really need to like, um, you know, dig into your mental reserves bit. Mm. Yeah, I always tell people I feel like those sessions are they're not so um, physically hard. They're just really like a mental burn, and they and they get yeah. tiring towards the end. Do you have a, a, yeah. fa- a least favorite day of the week or a least favorite session that you do in training? Mm, that's a good question. Uh, probably like. Thursdays, yeah, I don't know why. Thursdays suck. <laughs> Definitely, I don't, they don't really have a feel. Yeah, um, and I don't really feel like I'm, I'm moving forward in any way. You know, yeah. like there's, it's just this. Oh, it's another recovery day before, and you kind of like there's a little bit of like edginess about getting, you know, being fresh for Friday. So I'm always a bit. I know, I've been so aware of this lately. I'm always a bit uptight if I feel tired on the Thursday because I'm like well crap Worried, yeah. how am I going to be able to get Friday you know tomorrow done it's like Definitely. 35k of like hard running um but I always feel great now well not always I typically I start with my marathon sessions I'll um warm up and feel horrible and then the more I get into it the better I feel which is very typical of being in a marathon build um, just, you know, as your legs get fatigued, it's a little bit harder to get going. But then once your heart and lungs start and you get into a rhythm and, yeah, it all comes together. Definitely. Yeah, I agree that just like the 60-minute recovery runs are the worst. You don't get anything out. Like you feel like yeah. you don't get anything from it. Like a session, you like feel really yeah. rewarded. A long run, you're like, oh, I'm so tired. I, I, but- I actually think it's it's not challenging enough to feel yeah. like, oh, this is this is worth getting out of bed for. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, it serves a purpose, right? Yeah. It's, it's um, yeah, it's allowing you to think about how you want to play. It allows me to think about how I want to play Friday, and um, yeah, yeah. I think look, your trading week's really interesting. I think a lot of people can um take away a lot of learnings from that, just to see that like you don't have to run a hundred eighty, two hundred k's a week to be a top level marathoner, and you know you can work the schedule that works best to to you and your lifestyle. 
And you mentioned like having two yeah. kids and also working with the Love Mercy Foundation, like you're a busy lady. Uh, so you have to kind of fit training in around those things too and be flexible. Yeah, I think I think you've really got to find um, what works for you and, and there'll be different seasons for individuals as well because I know that down the track, you know, when um, – it gets well sunny gets a little bit older and maybe a little bit easier I might be able to have more energy to do more training um you know in two years time when he's at school yeah um but at, at this point it's kind of like this, this is enough mm-hmm. and um and I'm you know I think that I can run really really well on off what I'm doing and have run really well off what I'm doing and so I'm like it, it's it's very easy to compare, but it's also just a little bit unwise to Definitely. compare to, to anyone else's because you just don't know what, what other outside stresses they have or, yeah. um, you know, injury history or like, you know, all the intrinsics, especially with the marathon too, because there's so much other stuff that goes into actually, you know, laying down a good marathon. It's mm-hmm. not just not just the training. Um, yeah, just the physicality of the training. And so, you know, I've known, you know, we both know runners who have run really well off 200 Ks a week and that same runner has run a PB doing 125 Ks a week into the London Marathon <laughs> and doing her second runs on the elliptical, you yeah. know. And so, you know, she's different ways really to about well it. from doing, yeah, I think there's there's a lot of different ways to go about it and I think you just got to take confidence in what you're doing and, yeah and um, every block's going to be different <clears throat> yeah and, and trust your own trust your own process yeah well it's hard to sum up your athletic achievements Elsie you're a two-time Olympian and a five-time Commonwealth Games rep which I believe you're only one of two Australian athletes to have that honor of being at five Commonwealth Games um you've also represented Australia at six World Cross Country Championships multiple World Athletics and Half Marathon Championships, as well as winning the World University Games 5K back in 2003. So your international (laughs) career spans back to, I think, the World Junior Games in 1998. So you've had a very um, long and successful career on the track. Um, I guess it's so interesting because I feel like you're just getting started now in the marathon. Do you feel that's the way it is? Yeah, I do. I feel like I'm... um you know, it's been a bit of a revival for me, a bit of a revival of my athletic career. I had kind of, um, you know, my uh, the Commonwealth Games before, uh, where did we just go? Birmingham. <laughs> um, so at the Gold Coast in 2018, you know, we knew we wanted to have another child and um, that was a, a bit of a struggle for us. And so I had almost two and a half years of, of mm. not racing. Um, and, you know, finally got to, to have our little sunny boy and, you know, I tried to make it back for Tokyo and um, to try and do the 5K on the track and, and missed out on the time there, just, just wasn't, wasn't fit enough in time. Um, but it was, I guess, the catalyst to go, well, what, what else do I want to do here? What, I need a new challenge. I was looking for something um, else to kind of set my sights on and, you know, get me excited about the sport again. And, you know, the marathon was it and I had the opportunity to run to run London in, in 2021. And, um, yeah, that was 
that was it. I kind of had 10 weeks to, to get ready. And, um, it was everything that I would hope for, you know, in a, like in a running race, it was just, uh, yeah, I just loved it. I loved the whole process of, um, the challenge and, you know, there's, I've run five or four other marathons since then. I've done five in total and, you know, each one has been very different. Each one I've learned so much and I'm still learning and, um, yeah, I'm just taking each marathon as it comes and just really excited about seeing where my potential lies, you know. And I, I look at, you know, people like Sinead and, and Lisa who ran 2.23 yesterday. And yeah, amazing. And broke the Australian record um, back in December, just incredible. And I know how long Sinead's wanted that record for and how many, you know, how many times she's had a go and it's just so, so inspiring um, to see those women, you know, go before us and kind of um, pioneer the way of Australian um, distance running and, um, yeah, just really proud to, I guess, be part of it and um really excited about um you know where I'm going and um yeah and just trying to take each each marathon as it comes and and learn as much as I can from each one because um, I still feel like such a baby really <laughs> like I've done obviously done five but I I still feel like you know it's only been 18 months and so I'm, I I still feel like I've got so much to learn and um that's really exciting for me to be honest yeah um, definitely yeah yeah it's a second kind of career for you in a sense because uh, look you first qualified for the Sydney 2000 Olympics when you were 16 and um unfortunately you got injured I believe you, you went to the fittings for the Olympics for the um the uniform and everything and that would have been a home games for you you're from Sydney mm. um that's huge how did you deal with the success at such a young age but also the disappointment of missing out on these games. Mm, yeah, that was it was tough. I was like in year eleven at school, and crazy. I was so excited to be, you know, to have qualified. And it was my first five k on the track as well. So I was like, um, yeah. Um, and then you know, only a few weeks later to be diagnosed with a stress fracture in the neck of my femur, you know, and I, they said base and I had, you know, the bone, I had really low bone density as well. I was struggling with an eating disorder that I'd kind of hidden from most people. Um, and so that was a really, it went from, you know, being on top of the world, qualifying, you know, going out to being measured for the Olympic uniform with Karen McCann and um, who was, you know, my, one of my heroes and um, and to then being told that, you know, you're not going to be able to run for at least the next three to six months um, to deal with, you know, your health issues and also allow your femur to heal. And, yeah, it was devastating. Um, but, you know, I feel like, you know, I've, I have a faith in God and God really used that moment of disappointment to draw me to him. And I kind of, I look back at those, you know, all of the injuries in my career and I think there's so much good that has come from them. And even though, 
they're hard at the time and you don't know why why it's happening there's always something that like really good that has come from um you know a discouraging or disappointing time and or some you know a hardship that I've gone through and yeah just trying to um I remember just getting this new I guess uh, you know, once my injury healed, I was, I felt like I had the courage to kind of dream again and then, you know, set my sights on new goals and almost the same thing happened in 2004 and 2008. And then, mm. you know, in 2008, it was through that injury that I met Julius and it's how we started the Love Mercy Foundation. And so, you know, things I'm come back yeah. at that and now, yeah, I'm like, wow, it's, you know, you just, you couldn't, um, I couldn't have scripted that, you know. And yeah, I just feel um, like you must be so um, mentally resilient to have gotten through something like that. I feel like a lot of people, if they'd gone through that experience at that age, um, I don't think we would have seen such a long and successful career um, come from that. So it's a real credit to your strength and resilience and, and the faith you have as well. Yeah, thanks, Izzy. Um, yeah, and I still, I'm still learning so much about <laughs> resilience and I, that's what I love about, about the marathon too. Like you don't learn resilience any more than you do no, <laughs> running a marathon definitely training for it. So, um, yeah, it's been such a great journey and, yeah, I'm still going and that's that's really exciting. Yeah. 2006 Melbourne Com Games, you did get that taste for home games in Australia mm-hmm. and you were fourth in the 5K with a PB at the time of 15 flat. That's a pretty amazing experience. Uh, I've rewatched, you know, the Melbourne races and it looked like the most incredible crowd and atmosphere. Yeah, it was. It was probably one of my most memorable races, actually. Um, it was, I was like, I lost my hearing after I crossed the line. Like, I, it was so loud in the stadium. And it's just one of those events that you'll just never forget in one of those experiences. And, um, yeah, coming forth, it was so bittersweet I was so close <laughs> as well. It was, yeah, it was so bittersweet. And I'd run a 16-second PB. It's amazing. And I, I'd put myself in the best position possible to to get on the podium. And I, I'd kind of I'd, – I'd done my best. And I kind of just had to celebrate that. Like yeah. even though fourth wasn't – fourth is not the, the result that anyone wants, but – all we can ask of ourselves is that we just do our best. And I knew that that was, there was absolutely nothing else that I could have done in that race to do any better. Yeah. And so I had to walk away, you know, satisfied and, and, and walk away, you know, excited about, you know, the opportunity to go again. And, you know, I did, I get to, um, race all around Europe that season. It was one of my best seasons. I think you, you broke your PB. 15 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. In Zurich? 5k eventually yeah in Zurich um in the the golden league it was back then <laughs> before it came the diamond league yep. um sounds sounds cool I think the golden league golden league yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah so that was really great but yeah, yeah you're one of Melbourne like you're the, one of only two games. athletes to break 15 minutes I believe it's right pretty good pretty good um, thing on the CV in Victoria, the, the Commonwealth Games coming up um, is going to be a fantastic event. Um, yeah, so that's it's really exciting. Victoria is able to 
to host the the games again. Yeah, that'd be great. Melbourne was something else. Yeah, yeah. And having seen just the Maury Plant meet last week and and the fans that were out there and the atmosphere that it looked like on the track, it's a pretty exciting time for athletics in Australia to look to have a bit of a resurgence, hopefully. Yeah, 100%. Like I haven't seen a, a track meet like that in Australia since 1998 when, yeah. wow. you know, we brought the likes of Marie Screen and Marion Jones and Michael Johnson, like all the, Amer- you know, these great American sprinters out. Um, and, you know, the, we had packed stadiums and, and Sonia Sullivan was, you know, in, you know, in her prime. And, um, and so seeing that the other day at the Maury Plant meet, it was, yeah, just, I was pumped. <laughs> this is like a really, it was a, it's a resurgence of, resurgence of, of athletics in our country and, um, and, and a testament too of how love and, loved and respected um, Maury was and how special he was to people and yeah, definitely. how much of a difference and an impact he made in people's lives. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to skim through some of your results, you know, six at the Daily Cobworth Games and the 10K. You finally made the Olympics in 2012 um, after, you know, missing three times. That must have been such an amazing experience to finally get there. Call yourself an Olympian. I think a lot of people have seen the the poster, the little board that you had made and it, yeah. you know, it had it each year kind of crossed off when you didn't make it, but you kept fighting and, and you made it there and that would have been a very um, emotional experience for you, I'm sure. Yeah, it was. London was, um, it was this just opportunity to just reach a childhood dream. And I, I remember qualifying um, for the 10K and, you know, obviously being selected and, and having a conversation with Nick and he said, we're, we're going we're gonna to get to the starting line this time. Yeah. And you're not going to like it. You're not going to like what I'm going to do, <laughs> but we're going we're gonna to cut um, most of your junk mileage and, you know, we're going to cut a third of your mileage out because you're not getting injured um, before this event. You're actually going to make the starting line. And, you know, it's kind of there was like this real tension in my perfectionism brain <laughs> to go, <laughs> but I really want to like, you know, I really want to get there in the best shape possible. But um, on the other side, I'm like, oh, like this relief, this like, oh, thank you. Like this is, he gets it and, you know, he's going um, no, we're just we're gonna we're gonna get there. This is yeah. important to you, and this will be the catalyst for you know the championships that you have in the years after. And he was right because I don't believe that I would have had Rio without having the experience that I did in London. And um, yeah, that was that was really special. Um, Definitely because the the experience that I had in London just getting that off my chest and ticking the box and actually becoming an Olympian allowed me the courage and um, I guess the experience to go and give it everything in Rio and, and with and that you really did. relaxed nature you know and and make the final and just have fun with it um, without this like burden of thinking oh am I going to get hurt again you know am I going to is this going to be like just this never-ending story of of trying and failing and Mm -hmm. um yeah so I'll be forever grateful for Nick for kind of just being aware of that and calling it out and um you know being like showing wisdom in that way and 
you know, everyone who knows Nick knows that he's not backward in coming forward. So he wasn't, you know, he's just like, this is what we're going to do. You know, you're not going to like it, but this is what we're going to do. Sounds very liberating though, being able to go into those Olympics, just enjoying the experience and knowing that you're going to be there, not having the doubt in your mind of, am I going to get injured? Yeah, as you said, Rio, four years later, you came 10th in the 10K. It's the highest placing Australian woman ever in that event. Um, You're on a PB and then you came ninth in the 5K, like making the final. That's just an incredible um, championships. And it sounds like you really drew on that experience from your first Olympics to really nail it. Yeah, I did. Yeah, like I said, I just felt like a real freedom mm. to go and um, to to take some risks. And I didn't do that in London because I wanted to make, you know, I wanted to make it to the starting line. But four years later, I was a stronger, wiser athlete and um, just more robust physically mm. as well and more relaxed mentally. Um, we'd had Indy by that point. She was three years old. And so as a mom, so I had this other role. I was a little bit more flexible in in training and just in my mind about training. (laughs) And so I was willing to take a a few like really measured risks. And again, like Nick and I had that conversation, you know, um, in Falls Creek on the the Olympic year, like before Rio. And he said, like, if you want to go and ruffle some feathers, in Rio, you've you've got to take some we've got to take some measured risks now. Mm. And I was like, yeah, I want to I want to ruffle some feathers. Yeah, it felt like the time was right. Yeah, yeah. Actually, thinking about Indy, I I remember being um, at Falls Creek in 2014, my first year up there. I was I don't know 16 years old or something, um, 17, and and then again in 2016. And I remember seeing you with Indy both those years, and I looked up to you so much and. I thought it was so so cool, her like running around. Yeah, she would have been really young in 2014. Um, would she be only one or? Yeah, two? she was. She was 14 months or 14 months when we were at um, Glasgow Commonwealth. Okay, Games, yeah, in the 5K. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty amazing that she's been able to travel the world with you. And um, yeah, it sounds like it's made you more flexible as a mum being an athlete too I think that's a really important um conversation like how how having kids can change your running and how it defines you as an athlete um in a a different way like I think changes your perspective it seems yeah it does I think well you just have for me it just there was something that was became just so much more important than running (laughs) and it kind of helped it definitely helped me because um you know you can get a little bit obsessive runners can in general can be a little bit obsessive and um you know having Indy and then Sunny as well like just it just allows you to have another focus and Mm. it's just so much more important um and yeah, so and in that way it allows you to relax. So it doesn't take like the focus away from your athletic career because you're still doing all the training. You're still, you know, you're still getting, you know, most of the things done you, you've got to do to be a good athlete. Um, it, you're just not thinking about it and stressing about it as much. Yeah. <laughs> like you'd have and to move on. I think that that's sessions. really important. Yeah, like I was not, I, you know, I used to get, before I had kids, I used to um, ruminate over bad workouts yeah. like 
you know, for sometimes days at a time thinking, oh, what, you know, what's wrong with me or what did I do wrong or what can I do better? It's like, you know, I've like barely got to the car now and I'm like <laughs> thinking about what I've got to, what I've got to organise when I get home for the kids. And so, you know, in that sense, it's like it's obviously busier and, you know, your head space is, um, you know, it, you have to be a little bit more intentional about your headspace. When I get to running, I'm like, okay, I'm, you know, going to take some deep breaths before I get out of the car at the track because that was a hectic morning getting the kids ready for school. But then, you know, like when I get home, I take that, I take the athlete hat off and I like want to be present for my kids. So. Yeah, it's amazing. I, I really look up to you and all the other mums and as, as a kind of younger, I guess, athlete um, in my career, like it's something that I do think about and and worry about at times, you know, how, how you make that decision to kind of um, make that life change and, and how it affects you. But um, you've all really mm. kind of taken in your stride and, I'm, you know, I'm sure you've all had different obstacles come up with parenting and injuries. But, um, yeah, it seems to all in all be a very positive thing. Yeah, totally. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's a wild ride. Having <laughs> <laughs> I mean, kids, but anyone will tell you that regardless yeah. of whether they're an athlete or not but um yeah look we're so privileged and, and blessed to have Sunny and Indy and um yeah just doing what we can <laughs> yeah so you had Sunny at the end of November and um subsequently after that the uh, Olympics was postponed and um you mentioned before that you know you were you were trying for that 5k um but it was a pretty quick um turnaround and uh, you, you didn't get there in time but it revitalized your career in the sense that after not making Tokyo Olympics, um, you know, you probably had a, a long think and a, a few long chats with Nick and um, decided to give the marathon a go. Um, and that happened in London in October that year, uh, just three months after you kind of walked away from the track for, for a little while. Um, talk about, you know, debuting at the London Marathon. It's a pretty amazing experience I know you've done so many major championships in your lifetime and you know you've really done it all you've experienced the absolute highs of the sport but running at a major marathon for your debut that's got to be a little bit scary it was so scary <laughs> <laughs> I've probably not been as nervous about an event um than I was about running my first marathon I was pretty nervous about running my first half marathon as well um, but running, going up twice the distance, like, um, you know, my training partners, in particular, my main training partner, Rory, would tell you, and, and Johnny, my husband, would tell you, like, I had a lot of questions about what it will feel like. And, of course, they don't know because mm -hmm. they haven't run a marathon. <laughs> but I kept like just, I, you know, everyone, every now and then on a run, I just go, oh, I wonder what this is going to feel like. What, like what's it meant to feel like? Um, and, you know, no one can really tell you. The yeah. normal, no, no one can really tell you. Um, and you can do some workouts that, you know, um, as we were discussing before, to help you get towards that feeling. But you, we don't ever really do a 42.2-kilometre workout mm. at marathon race pace. So you never really know what it's going to feel like until you actually do it. Um, but, yeah, I had so much fun in, in the actual marathon. 
I think just I was going in with just a really um, open mind and um, just a really curious mind <laughs> to see what, you know, what could be possible here. Mm. And I think that's how I like to approach all of my marathons regardless of, you know, what I've done or, you know, what I'm shooting for. I think um, focusing on the process and focus and being curious about um, what could be possible regardless of how I'm feeling. And I think one of the things that I like to think about is how can I still bring my best even when I feel my worst? Mm. Um, it's like one of the things that I think especially in training, it's like how can I still bring my best to this moment? How can I still bring my best to this next half an hour even though I feel my worst? Mm -hmm. And I think those are the moments in training in particular that you get to practice what it might feel like in the last 10K of a marathon or in the first 10K. You might, like, we always assume that the last 10K is going to be the worst, but sometimes like some of my marathons, like Nagoya last year, I felt – where I ran my PV, I actually didn't feel very good in the first 10K. I actually didn't feel good until about halfway. Wow. And, um, yeah, and I just started to get rolling and I started to get, I guess, more and more adrenaline the further I went and you go, oh, wow, 25K, you know, 30K, whoa. So, you know, um, and you get like a little bit of a hit of dopamine every every drink station you get to go past. But, yeah, so it's not an assumption that you're going to feel like that at any stage of the marathon. But, yeah, it's um, – it's, I guess the marathon teaches you so much about the mental skills that it takes to um, – yeah, that it takes to just do something really difficult. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, it's one of the reasons actually uh, Rory, my training partner, is a – uh, he's a psychology practitioner and mental skills coach and we're actually launching a, um, a new offering, I guess, uh, called Marathon State of Mind. And it's going to be a course specifically for marathon runners um, to help people build the, the mental skills to, to have the best experience possible in a marathon. Um, so that's really exciting and because I've learned so much in particular from him and his research around um, the mental skills and yeah and the you know the head space um, space <laughs> and um, yeah it's definitely something that we're really passionate about teaching people and not just um, for everyone and because you know from the elites to and you'll know this is you like from professional runners to everyday weekend warriors that decide, all right, I'm going to you know, run a half marathon. I really want to move up to the marathon, but I don't think I can. Like we all have the same. It's thoughts. scary. Yeah. Like, our brain, our brain immediately goes to, oh my gosh, can I do this? Like, I don't think I can. Maybe I can. Can I? Um, <laughs> and that, like throughout the whole process is like, it's an opportunity to practice the mental skills of getting to the point where you're going. 100% I can. Will I? I'm going to find out. And that's what's been, you know, that's where the curiosity comes in. Definitely. Um, but, yeah, it's really exciting. We're really passionate about teaching people 
um, and empowering people with those skills and, yeah, watch this space. Well, look, training is one thing, but if you don't um, mentally prepare for it, that's really half the battle. And I think that's the case for any race, but really it's even truer for the marathon. So it's mm. great that, um, yeah, you can put some more, you know, help out there for people to, to, to learn how to kind of navigate that space. Yeah. So in London, like you ran the fastest marathon on debut. So that's awesome. But then you also miss the world qualifying time by a feather 20 seconds or so. I guess yeah. it w- would have been so difficult to deal with the excitement of, you know, smashing it really. Your splits were so even, you know, you're run- running the fastest debut, but missing the world champ standard, like there would have been some disappointment there too. How, how did you balance those two emotions? Yeah, there was a little bit of disappointment just because I was so close. I remember running down the the, the pal mouth um, uh, beside Buckingham Palace and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to just miss this. 12 I seconds. I only had yeah. 800 metres to go and I was like, you know, I was like hauling and, um, yeah, I was just hoping that the last 800 metres was short, but it wasn't. <laughs> it was long, probably. <laughs> it was probably long. Um, but, yeah, uh, I knew that I had it in me. I kind of I, – I wasn't too disappointed because I knew that I had time mm. um, before the before the Com Games and before the World Champs. Um, then if I needed to run faster, I could run another one, and I was really confident that – I, w- I felt like I had been quite conservative um, in the first half of the race in particular. And um, so I was pretty confident that if I had a chance to run another one um, and then it wasn't it. long before I got, yeah, got the opportunity to run it in Melbourne. What was um, your most most memorable moment of, of that debut and, and what was the hardest part maybe as well? Uh it's a good question. You're really testing my memory now. The <laughs> can, you, can you remember it? <laughs> yeah, the most memorable moment um, was probably um, like just driving there on the way on the bus. This is a really strange moment, but just we were in the in the bus on the way there, and I just remember like doing some like. Um, nasal breathing and just like getting my like um this is this it's called box breathing you probably heard of yeah it. it's the the breathing that the navy seals do to really bring like focus mm-hmm. and intention to what they're about to do and so i was doing that and um yeah and then um i the most memorable ro- moment in the race was tower bridge for sure I looks amazing. It, the crowd was so loud and um, and excited, and I just yeah, you couldn't you couldn't hear your footsteps, you couldn't hear yourself breathing anymore. It was it, there was incredible energy going across Tower Bridge, which was really fun. Um, and then probably the hardest part, uh, the last the last five k. I was was probably pretty hard just because I hadn't run that far ever before. So I was really I had never felt that like really deep fatigue in my legs. Mm. Oh, so um, you were you were on, your, I was catching, on your own. I was catching people, so it was yeah. Um, but I was catching people, so that was also that really, helps, yeah. like energizing. Um, 
but yeah, probably the last the last five k was like yeah. And you mentioned that yeah, not shortly after, um, in December that year, three months later, you did get another chance to run a marathon, but that was a very um, a last minute decision, wasn't it? Yeah, I was meant to run the half there that year, <laughs> um, and you know, Nick said, "Decided to leave that for me." Thank you. <laughs> it was two weeks before, <laughs> yeah, and uh, he said, "Oh, you could run the marathon." He just sent me a text because I sent him the results of like, oh, I just sent him the tempo that I'd done. It was like a 10K tempo. He said, oh, you, you know, you could run the marathon in Melbourne. And I was like, are you serious? And he's like, no, just joking. And I'm like, <laughs> and then he said, he followed it up a few minutes. And I'm like, okay, take a deep breath, put the phone down, walk away. And then he said a couple of minutes later, he sent something like, um, you know, um, but you could if you wanted to. <laughs> I was Classic. Like, well, what is, is this? Yeah. I'm like, I, and then I just called him and he said, look, um, you know, you've got an opportunity. Like I don't think that, you know, I definitely think obviously you can make the distance. You've been training well. Like I hadn't run over 90 minutes, but like, and that was my question to him. He's like, well, you know, yeah, you haven't done a typical marathon build-up, but you've also, you also did that for London. So, you know, that hasn't gone anywhere. Mm. Um, and, yeah, I, I was probably a little bit like, yeah, but I've spent like two weeks in hotel quarantine and then it took probably another two to three weeks to feel good after hotel quarantine. Definitely. I just felt rubbish when I got out of there. And so I was just a bit like, oh, how's this going to go? Um, but then he was just like, you know, you've got nothing to lose, basically, like, um, and you, you could qualify for the world champs. Um, and then I said to my training partner, Rory, I said, oh, like, do you think I should do this? And he's like, yeah, I think you should do it. And I'm like, well, I'll only do it if you do it with me. And he's like, okay. And he was in New Zealand. Uh, he had just got back from two weeks holiday in New Zealand. So he had done very little training. Um, but, you know, he's fit and um, very naturally talented. So, yeah, we went down there and, um, again, it was just another opportunity to kind of just see what was possible with the training that I had. I did a 10K, I think, the week before, 10K race. I did 32.30. That was in Sydney. Um, so I was like, okay, you know, I, I ran sort of a minute or, yeah, 40 or 50 seconds faster than I'd run in a 10K race the week before London. So I was like, oh, all right, well, um, let's just see how this goes. And so, um, yeah, Melbourne, like I needed to go to the toilet. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, you, you ran off course a fair bit, didn't you? Yeah, <laughs> well, not too much. Um, I went to the surf club toilets. Um, Still, it's not your typical yeah, so um, probably, to the probably ran, Let's say I ran 42.3K. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like it was just one of those things. It's actually like, you know, it's every runner's, every marathon runner's worst nightmare to have to go to the toilet during the race. But um, I hadn't, one of those things where like, yes, I hadn't done the training, but I also hadn't, like I hadn't, I had done the training, 
hadn't done the marathon sessions where I mm. normally train my gut sure. to take on um, like drinks and like glucose during the race and, and gels. So um, that became a problem at about 20K <laughs> into the race. And um, yeah, so I had to stop. So I lost about a minute and, um, but I, yeah, I panicked a fair bit, but thankfully um, Rory was with me and uh, Johnny was on the bike too, which was fun. And, you know, they were just like, just, um, just relax and don't try and make up, you know, don't try and make up 60 seconds in the next three minutes because <laughs> I came out of the toilets running about three minute Ks. <laughs> and Rory was like, whoa, okay, we still have 20, you know, 22 K to go. Like you're running 305. <laughs> Just it's a bit fast. Cool your, cool your jets. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we got back into a nice rhythm. And, um, yeah, that was just another one of those opportunities to go, okay, this is not working out how I hoped and that was really annoying. Um, but what can I do here despite having that annoying inconvenience? Yeah, no, that's a good thing to, I guess, have to practice because, yeah, you hope that it goes perfectly. But, um, yeah, we, we're all worried about the bathroom stop in, in, a, in a marathon. Um, yeah. and it's great that you had your team around you, Rory and Jono to kind of like settle you in, um, and kind of, yeah, relax you and bring you back into the moment, just focus on the next 22 Ks that you had ahead. And it resulted in a second place finish and you did get the world champs and com games qualifier. Um, you think you ducked under by about 10 or 11 seconds, uh, with a 229.19. Uh, so that was a, a great result. And I mean, obviously that, that, uh, toilet break set you back a little bit, but it didn't derail you and, you managed to kind of yeah get the job done. Yeah, yeah, and I was really I was really proud of that. I was really like, and I was obviously so happy to like actually just tick the box of getting the world champs qualifying time. And Millie had a great race. Um, I was second behind Millie, and yeah, like she had an absolute stellar second half um, of that race. So yeah, she deserved that win and. Um, yeah, and then it was just about looking towards sort of um, come off games after that. Mm. Yeah, it's nice to have the qualifying done and you got to go to Nagoya um, March last year and I was lucky to be there, you know, on the trip too as a pacer and you ran your PB of 225.10 in Nagoya. Um, did everything go right on that day? I know you mentioned that you didn't feel great the first 10K, but aside from that, like was it um, after kind of like you got through halfway, was it just kind of like, went as smoothly as it could have been or were there any hiccups in that race? Uh, yeah, you know, like the longer time goes, you just kind of look at the result and you go, oh, yeah, everything must have gone right. But the more the more I remember it and think about it, I actually didn't feel great in that first 10, 15K, but I was just trying to relax and not, you know, not think about how I felt um, or just not even, not even not think about it but just not be um, too – uh, obsessive, like not hold on, like not to, yeah, obsess over how I felt mm -hmm. because, you know, there was a chance that I would start feeling better. And I'd heard that from Nick and from Charlotte as well before I ran my first marathon in London that sometimes through all the carb loading and also from tapering you can in the first 
least 10K of a marathon not feel very good until like you start to feel almost a bit lighter. You burn through it a bit. You know, a bit more poppy and um, you start to get into a rhythm and, you know, you start to – you're on your way, I guess. (laughs) Um, And also I think there's this thing – where we're probably like a little bit oversensitive in the first 5K of a marathon or 5, 10K of a marathon to go, how am I feeling? Like, what does this feel like? Like, what should this feel like? Or what is my perceived effort here? Like, but it really doesn't matter. <laughs> it's not like sometimes it's not helpful information. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Sometimes Overthinking it's not, it. Yeah. Yeah, I think you just... It just kept running. That's and huge, yeah, though. Like a four-minute a four minute PB, like you would have had to kind of um, just be pretty relaxed, like knowing you are on pace for that. Yeah, I decided to go with the, I think it was the 224.30 paces-ish, um, sort of 224.225 paces. And, um, yeah, I knew that that would be a stretch given that I'd only run 229 but I knew that because of the toilet stop in Melbourne, I thought oh, I was probably that was probably worth a two twenty eight, and then training had gone really well in the lead up, so I was factoring in that. And then, of course, like I'm like, well, I'm in Japan. I'm not here. I'm not here to jog around. And at some point, I'm gonna have to put myself out there and like make yourself a bit vulnerable to like either blowing up or not having a good day because you might have spent your bickies or like you might have, you know, but I was prepared to do that. And I think sometimes, um, especially the longer we go on, I think, why wouldn't you do that? (laughs) You know, like I watched, I watched the world cross country and I'm like, wow, like look at everyone, you know, and there's so much, um, there's, a lot to be said, like obviously you need to be realistic about your level um, and but I did, I looked at my, my training and when I think like realistically I, if I had a really great day then I could do this and mm. then I ended up having a really great day and I think yeah. you, you've almost got to assume that you're going to have a really great day and, um, and then just trust that and go Some- for it. Yeah, sometimes I think it's just about, you know, being there and 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 getting it done and, and I guess being somewhat safe. But, um, yeah, sometimes the race it just lends itself to being the one that you, you have to risk it and, and really target it. And, yeah, it's it's great that you did that in Nagoya because it certainly paid off. And, um, yeah, it was an incredible result to see, to see you achieve and just like, you know, your face crossing the line in that photo. Um, <laughs> I love that photo of you. It's just like it's it's raw emotion and like, just being like, yes, I did this, and yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it was fun. It meant a lot. Johnny was home with our two kids. Indy had COVID. It had been a really tough, like, it had been a really tough time, like for everyone. Um, but yeah, like uh, Johnny was, he was obviously working in ICU during COVID for those two and a half years, and. I was kind of like, oh, I just really want to run well for him, you know. I really want to. He's home with Indy with COVID. Like he's looking after people that are, um, you know, 
really sick from this and um, he's making all of these sacrifices so that I can go to, mm. to you know, to run this marathon. And, of course, we had to be there for two weeks yeah, beforehand as well. Not just a um, trip to Japan. Was amazing. Yeah, it was. <laughs> oh, the, the place that we got to stay, we so were not fun. complaining. But I, I haven't like, slept. So I haven't slept as well as that journey. since that place. That was amazing. <laughs> Ten hours yeah. every night. I know. I know. How's your aura stats? Yeah, never been the same. Never been better. <laughs> Something in the air. Yeah, it was a yeah, yeah. A, a big reward for um, sacrifice for you to be away from from Jono and the kids. Yeah, for those two weeks, and I'm sure you went home very pleased and, and proud of your result. Coming off that, you know, you had the Com Games in Birmingham, and I was lucky enough to spend some time in St Moritz um, prepping with you and Sinead for that, and Jess for that games. Um, you know, it was a fourth place for you. It probably wasn't quite the day that you would have hoped for on a perfect day, but it was such clear sportsmanship when you crossed the line, like your pure emotion and like pure happiness for Jess um, winning uh, was, was on display and, you know, even your social media posts and everything, it was clear that like you genuinely um, were very happy that, you know, she'd been able to do that while it wasn't like your perfect day. I mean, fourth was still a great result, but I, I know you, you probably would have hoped for more. Yeah, totally. Um, I guess, you, yeah, you put it really well there. I think it was just one of those things where I was like, you know, I was I was hoping to win and I believed that I could have if I had a perfect day, but I'm so glad that she did, you know, and, um, and she had, you know, one of her best days out and I was so excited for her and... Yeah, it was just um, it was one of yeah one of those things. I was like, oh, wasn't a great day for me, but I can still celebrate. I can still celebrate and be part of you know celebrating um, Jess in um, her having one of the the best runs of her career. And you know, I watched her grow as an athlete as well. I remember meeting her at Falls Creek. I think oh, I reckon it was at least 10, 12 years ago. Um, and yeah, I've watched her grow as a marathon runner and yeah, she deserved that win. And, um, she was, she's so strong over a hilly course as well. Like, oh my gosh, she just, her strategy and her just, she just had a day in the sun and yeah. it was, yeah, it was wonderful. Um, and yeah. And like, again, like it just shows you like marathon running, like Sinead, didn't have, you know, the day that she was after as well. But then a couple of months later comes out Australian record holder. Australian record. <laughs> like, yeah, I think it what? shows that, look, any any of you three um, could have won that race. And um, that's the beauty of the marathon is like, you know, you, I could, you could see watching the race, you, all three of you, Sinead, Jess and, and yourself, um, you were very much, you know, running as a team in that first, I don't know, 21Ks, 30Ks, um, and at the end of the day, you know, on the day, the distance or the course, or whatever it is, it's going to sort, it's going to sort yourself out. Like you can still try to help each other for as long as you can. And at some point it's not like you versus me or, you know, I'm trying to beat you or you're trying to beat me. The race itself is just sorts it out. You know, the distance of 42.2 Ks and, and the course you're on, um, yeah. you can't really plan for that last 12 K. So I, I thought it was beautiful to watch the three of you you know, supporting each other out there, chatting, um, 
And then, you know, once it got tough, you know, Jess, Jess took it on and, and all three of you ran so strong and yeah, it, it, it could have been anyone's day, but as you said, like you have your day in the sun and it was Jess's that day, but it was so clear that um, you and Sinead, like you were all so supportive of each other. And it was really, it felt like, like almost like a team win <laughs> as such. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I wish they had team medals. Yeah. And- in the marathon, in I agree. Events, I actually believe they should. It said it would make it so much more exciting to watch the marathon. Um, but that's probably a letter to World Athletics yeah. for everyone listening. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like, yeah, it was just really fun to be able to do it together. We did the build up um, together when, like, Sinead and Jess didn't have COVID. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we were in St. Moritz, and obviously you were there with us too, and we had some really really fun runs um in the mountains and you know such a beautiful beautiful spot to to train and to build for the marathon we all had our families there and um yeah it's a pretty special camp yeah yeah it was special to be able to do that all together and go in together and um you know you you just like you said it sits you against the marathon it's not Mm. you get obviously you want to be first across the line but ultimately it's you against the event in the mm. marathon event in particular. That's why I think I like it. You know, it's um, it's a it's a test of yourself and you're only really racing like mentally like racing yourself and sure you can you yeah. can want to be the best and, and be on the podium and, you know, beat people around you. But at the end of the day, it's, it's really you have to be pretty focused on yourself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how did it feel being at a fifth Commonwealth Games? It was probably like pretty cool just to to be there and know you were you know one of very few people who've who've made it to that many. Yeah, it was it was awesome. Like I think about all of my different Commonwealth Games experiences, and each one has been so different. And this one was like different again. You know, having two kids and um, and doing a, an, an event that I hadn't competed for Australia before. That was really special and. Um, yeah, it was it was really cool. Obviously, I had the choice um, after I qualified for the World Champs to to run in either the World Champs or Commonwealth Games, and it was a pretty easy decision in the end. Um, I've had such great experiences and great fun running in Com Games, and obviously the marathon event is really strong. Um, we're always really strong, the Australians in the marathon event. We have like a great history, obviously with. Karen McCann winning in um, in Melbourne, and you know the likes of Heather Turlin and Krishna Stanton, and all these other um, female marathon runners that have gone before us um, at the Commonwealth Games. So yeah, it was it was awesome. To, yeah, it's very to rich history to be a part of. Maybe, maybe I'll get to six. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll yeah, it's just around the corner. Uh, so you did your fifth marathon uh, in New York last year, and I think a lot of people might not know that you were actually born in New York. Yeah. So it was kind yeah, of like you know coming coming home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was it was fun. Uh, Johnny and I went together. We just we left the kids at home. Um, his mum and dad took over babysitting duties for nice. ten days or so. Yeah. So we had such a great time. I didn't. I wasn't super stoked with my race um yeah I just didn't feel um great in 
uh, for whatever reason. Um, Very humid conditions like too the, for that one. Yeah, it's, I feel like the heat really played a part. Yeah. Because um, I've been I've been training in cooler conditions like Australia's sort of winter slash spring um, in the build-up. But, yeah, we still had such a great time. Again, learned a lot and um, kind of using – that used that, I guess, as the the foundation for my for my next build, which mm. is which is in Nagoya. Yeah, I think it's great though. You know, even though it wasn't your day and it was you know tough being humid, like you still finished strong, like you got it done. Um, you know, with a smile on your face, really, um, and and enjoy the experience too. And you know, how cool it is to run another world major and and run in New York where you were born and and have that history there. Um, yeah, and I think also like something to be said for doing five marathons in eighteen months, like. Obviously, you've learned so much from all of them and you probably wouldn't take back any of those experiences, but it's certainly a lot, um, not only physically, but mentally um, on your body and on your mind. So, yeah, it's good you've had some time to prep for this one now and I'm excited to see what um, you can do in Nagoya and I feel really privileged to be lining up alongside you there. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be fun. Um, we, yeah, we, we leave next week, yeah. I believe. And, um, yeah, so we're just kind of tapering down a little now, which is nice. And, um, yeah, it's, like I say, it's just another opportunity to get out there and see what's possible. And, um, you know, obviously the world, world champs are later this year and the, the Olympics are next year. And, um, you know, there's probably a couple more opportunities in between um, for us both. and. I'd love to get back on the track as well. I don't know about you, but yeah. I'd love to run a 10K on the track. Definitely, me that'd too. That would be cool. Mm, um, we should do that, Izzy. We should set we should, that up. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Lock it in. <laughs> um, yeah, lock it in. Uh, even a 5K, I think it would be fun as well. Um, but, yeah, you just see the next, obviously, the focus is Nagoya and then, um, and then just go from there. Yes. A lot to look forward to. I know, you know, having a – a race in a couple of weeks, but also thinking about the opportunities that, that lie ahead with Budapest and Paris. And, you know, a lot of people have kind of said to me, oh, like, you know, the marathon's so hard to make. Like, why, why are you having a crack at, like, marathons? Um, but I think it's just such an exciting time to be a part of such a strong crop of distance runners. And, um, of course, we're all going to be giving it a crack for, for that team next year. But the wonderful thing about the marathon is, as you said, there's so many opportunities um, always to do, you know, these major championships, but also world majors and and plenty of other races all year round. So um, certainly yeah. not um, lacking opportunities. Yeah. And I've never known you to shy away from anything just because it's hard, is it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that we, we, we wouldn't so, be where we are now without that kind of attitude. Right. Yeah. That's right. I know you could probably say so many things about um, what you've learned over the course of your five marathons, but what are some of the biggest, you know, perspective changes or takeaways that you've you kind of learned from, you know, your first one to now going into your sixth one? Um, I've learned a lot about nutrition and how important nutrition is. Um, it becomes like detrimental in the marathon, not just in the event but in the build-up. Um, you know, you can't afford to make mistakes in your nutrition and in carbs carb loading and the types of food that you eat before big marathon sessions, hydration as well. 
um, it just becomes such a bigger part of the picture, bigger part of the pie, so to speak, um, when you're running such a long way and when you're training um, so many miles. So, uh, I yeah, just been a lot more intentional since I've become a marathon runner. I work with Jess Rothwell, um, who's been amazing at, you know, um, looking at all of, you know, all of my nutrition and um, carb loading and things like that to make sure that um, getting enough and fueling really well and um, and feeling good and having high energy levels. Um, the other thing is, yeah, just the mental side is just, just practicing, you know, um, the mental skills. Uh, I've learned that that just becomes such a massive piece of the pie as well. Um, when you're in your head for so long and so much longer than I have been before, um, yeah, just just learning how to, you know, manage all the things, all the thoughts that come up and um, and not trying to get rid of the thoughts, just kind of like sitting with them for a bit. And then letting them go if that's, you know, if it's not a thought that I want to entertain or then just let it go. And I, you have to practice that skill. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's, those, are the, those are the main two things that I've learned. And then just like how important recovery is in general, like physical recovery, sleep. I've been trying to go to sleep a little bit earlier, but I really love like lying out in front of the TV for a couple of hours after we put the kids down. And then before I know it, it's midnight. But um, I've been trying to like just get a little bit more like deep sleep as well, which is like the physical sort of regeneration sleep. And, yeah, that's probably Yeah, all, it. all such important things and, and just things that you learn with, with more and more experience too. You've mentioned um, a few people who've been, totally. you know, influences in your career, um, the women before you in the marathon, like Karen McCann and, and Benita Willis. Um, how have some of those, you know, friendships and connections, I guess, um, impacted you across your career? So much, um, more than probably they will ever know. You know, um, Karen, like like I mentioned before, took me to my first Olympic outfit um, fitting in Sydney and she drove me to my first training camp at Falls Creek. I remember she had just had her second child um, and so she had a baby in the back seat and I was like, wow, this is so cool. Mm -hmm. um, you know, she's going on a training camp. Greg was there, her husband. and um, Yeah, just kind of as a youngster, like, 15, 16, I got to be exposed and hang out with these women who were doing all the things that I would one day want to do. And I got to see it with my own eyes and I got to see, um, you know, I got to be a part of that. And, um, yeah, Sonia O'Sullivan, you know, had me down cross-train. She taught me how to cross-train um, back in the year 2000 when, you know, had my first injury, I went down to Melbourne and cross-trained with Sonia for, for two weeks and I'm like, okay, 
this is how you stay fit when you're injured. (laughs) This is Sonia. She uh, was just always such a professional um, in the way she went about cross-training and when she was hurt, when she had an injury. Um, It was very structured, very planned ahead. And I think, you know, that worked for me. And, um, yeah, I carried all of those things throughout, you know, I'm still carrying those things through my career and benefiting from the things that I learned from her. And, yeah, got to spend some time with Paula Radcliffe as well um, when I was in Ireland um, managing an injury with Jared Hartman. And she was just there for five days getting treatment as well from Jared. And she was just like, ask any question you want. Like, just, you know, be a sponge for the next few days because <laughs> She was, you know, she was at the top of her game and had an injury just like me and um, I was there to, to learn. And, um, yeah, so all of those women, very privileged um, to have experiences with and, um, and learn from. And, mm. uh, yeah, I think part of it I think is shaped, like a big part of those experiences has actually shaped my career. Mm, definitely I think it's so cool to be able to learn from you know learn from the people you look up to and yeah without being too much of a fangirl that's that's you for me as well like it's interesting to see the different generations come and go and uh yeah I think really being able to like train alongside people that you look up to and it's so amazing when you've got people um you know who are willing to share and willing to help you learn it's just such a beautiful thing and um I'm so grateful to have that myself too in, in my career so um yeah Sounds like you had some pretty amazing role models. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And also, um, you know, your coach of over 20 years, Nick Badeau, he's surely been a, a pretty big figure in the in your career. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Like um, I met Nick when I was 15 and, um, yeah, he started out being my manager and then took over coaching when I was around nine when I, you know, had the opportunity to, to start going to, to Europe and, and racing and things like that. And, um, yeah, Nick's just, he's played such a massive role in, yeah, the role in giving me the opportunities that I've had around the world and getting into races um, and, uh, yeah, be forever grateful for the, for the role that he has played so far and continues to play and, um, guiding me and yeah, just um, just setting. You know, I can almost I can almost guess what he's going to give me for training now. But it's really nice just to not to have to think about it myself and not to have to question. Um, but I always try and guess with Rory what he's what Nick's going to give me, and ninety nine percent right. But um, but it's just really nice not to have to think about that, and then. Um, and yeah, and I still, I mean, I still ask really stupid questions of him sometimes. <laughs> you know, like I'm just Spoon like, just out. But it's, <laughs> well, the more nervous I get, the more, you know, the more like you need someone to tell you, like, yeah, no, do it this way. And that, that's always been the way. How long do I, how long do I warm up for? Mistakes get my, yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah, come on, Elsie. Totally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't ask him that. Yeah. <laughs> Not quite. Um, yeah. 
And uh, obviously, I can't remember the last dumb question I asked him, he'd probably be able to tell you. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, you're, you're a very supportive husband, Jono, um, and your training partner, Rory. Yeah. Sounds like you've got yeah a, a very yeah. good. Um, you, you know, basic basing in Sydney, not with um, the group as such. You know, you've you've kind of created your own little little group, and you've got your support systems around you. So it sounds like they're both pretty important people. Um, you know, in your life, but in your running as well. Yeah, no, there's absolutely no way I would be able to do what I do without Johnny and without his support and and backing as well. Like it's one thing to to um, for someone to uh, you know for someone to just allow it. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah. he's actually he's he's so empowering and releasing and just like believing and um just like like couldn't care less about um the result just wants to wants me to be able to enjoy what I'm doing and you know he knows that the results will come when I'm doing that and he's seen that over and over again and so yeah we just try and enjoy it and you know take those trips to New York (laughs) where we can absolutely um and yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for taking the time to chat to me today. I think um, I'll leave it on just a last question of maybe what some of the best words of advice that you've been given in your career have been or, you know, models that you kind of uh, live by. Uh, that's a good question. You might need to edit this <laughs> so I can sit here think and about think about it. Um. So motto. I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure you've been given so much advice. You know, when you've been a sponge across the time, and you know something simple that you just kind of you, you you might always come back to that that idea, or you just you feel find yourself thinking about it um, in your running or in life. Um, one thing I've been thinking about lately, like a lot of a lot of um, sort of everyday sort of runners ask me, is like, how do you how do you, you deal with like lack of motivation and I don't I haven't had lack of motivation a lot in my career Mm. that I remember um but I think if you've got lack of motivation you've got to ask yourself why Mm. (laughs) and don't ignore I wouldn't ignore I'd say two things motivate move uh, motivation follows movement so I would just start like I'd put your shoes on and just aim to put your shoes on. Um, and like you, like if you put your running shoes on, you're not going to not go for a run, right? <laughs> like you wouldn't walk around your house if you your running <laughs> shoes on. That's, that's gross. <laughs> um, so just put your shoes on. That's one thing. But if you are like, if you are unmotivated for a consistent period of time, I wouldn't ignore that feeling. Yeah, I would consider whether you might be overtraining, or whether there might be outside external factors, external stresses. Like, I'm not sure, but there's like I wouldn't ignore the fact that being unmotivated isn't like a laziness thing. It's a very normal human thing to feel, and um, there's generally. A reason, a reason why for you're it, yeah. Unmotivated, yeah. Like if you if you're feeling unmotivated, it might be just be because you're cooked and mm-hmm. you're really fatigued, and you need a couple of days really easy. Um, 
it's not necessarily because you're lazy or because you don't want to do it anymore or, you know, like it's I think um, changing that narrative a little bit is important. Um, but also if you're just looking for that quick, oh, like, you know, feel a bit like sluggish when I get out of bed in the morning, like I would just say just put your shoes on. Yeah. Put your shoes on and then make that the goal and then get going. Definitely. Yeah, but also just listening to you, listening to yourself, and 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 figuring out the reasons why, uh, why you're feeling a certain yeah. type of way. It's definitely very yeah. important. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you so much, Elsie. It's been fun to catch up and chat, and I'm very much looking forward to seeing what you know the next um, addition for you is in this career. Like as we said, you're still such a a baby, really, in in the marathon, um, and you're learning so much and. I know we all um, are excited to see what you can achieve in the marathon space. So thanks for chatting today and I'll see you next week. Yes. Thanks, Izzy. Great chat. Thanks. Thanks again, Prepped, for supporting this episode. Head over to www.preppedhydration.com.au to try Prepped today. Prepped is the ultimate hydration for runners. 